Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is uh, an abbreviated version. A very, very small amount of time. Taylor Damel, he had to cut loose to go show a house. Good for him. The man's busy. Great. He does tremendous work. I don't know why he's not sponsoring this show, actually. Get his get his firm, get his uh, broker, his real estate company to sponsor Titch because he's he's wheeling and dealing out there in Phoenix. If you need a realtor, go to Taylor Dammel. But Taylor comes in towards the end. Uh, we also got the Shark, of course. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week, Lindsey Hunter, probably best known for his work in the NBA, former guard, NBA champion with the Detroit Pistons. But prior to that, he played at Jackson State. I believe this is the second HBCU player that we've highlighted. Uh, We had, um, who's the guy for the Knicks? I'm blanking. He went to Grambling. Willis Reed, excuse me. We had Willis Reed highlighted as your college trooper of the week. And now we got Lindsey Hunter, former Jackson State player. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at RoyalDigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at RoyalDigital.co. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains.
All right, Shark, you know how I always love to drop a little Easter egg with my Hooper of the Week. It was Lindsey Hunter, Jackson State. I'm sure you've heard the the big news of, you know, the Jackson State head coach. You know who I'm talking about, right? Dion, I'm familiar. No, you're unfamiliar. You're wrong. That's a trap, and you fell right into it. I'm talking about Mo Williams, baby. Mo (laughs) Williams, former NBA player, head coach at Jackson State Basketball, gets his first win against SMU. Lovely locker room scenes. Went viral. Um, How'd you like that little trickeration I just pulled on you there? It's pretty good. I felt like you just got me on an up fake. I fouled you. You made it, and now you're going to the line for one more, so knock it down. That's right. That's right. Uh, it reminds me of, I mean, if we're bringing all this together, remember that one game, I think it was in the conference finals, maybe another game, Tony Allen bites on a pump fake against the Pistons, fouls him. I don't know where the hell I am right now. It was at the, it was at the foul line extended. I thought. I think your brain just short circuited a little bit too much basketball knowledge floating around synapses weren't quite there. Get some soup. Yeah. Did you know Mo Williams was the head coach at Jackson State? I had no clue. You know, I learned that from you. I learned from your Twitter account, firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah. Him and Lindsey Hunter, both from Jackson, Mississippi. Of course, uh, that was a ploy, though. The big news, Dion. But we're not a college football podcast. We're a college basketball podcast. Before you go further, before you go further into whatever the next topics we have here are, um, your point right there about, well, actually it's my point about how you're firing on all cylinders with your Twitter account right now. I had an idea. I texted you early in the day. I said, Hey, do you do TikTok?" And you said, I don't do TikTok." I said, all right, well, I have a vision in my head for something that I think would be good if we had a TikTok or some type of video editing system for this, you know, the show white Lotus. Oh, that's an insulting question. You asked me. I, yeah, it's, again, a, it's a rhetorical question. All right. So, you know, the show, Lotus. You know the, question. Yeah, yeah, you know, the opening scene where it's like, credits yes and they keep going it's like they're cutting to different things and it's picking up the tempo picking up the tempo well i would want like a whole bunch of like if we can get all the basketball scores in one night that are happening you like cut over you see jackson state they're down by so much and then you show in like you know north carolina state's playing you know Furman or something it's kind of an eight point score and everything starts going really fast and at the very end you focus in on one game that is in a theater moment and then it's the farmer frame rubbing his nipples at the very end at the climax of that song are you following me are you with this i gotta vision? tell you i'm not following you whatsoever right. i'm not a tiktok maybe fan. maybe my synapses are not fully there right now but that's what i'm thinking i need to do something with that song i love that song let's flesh it out I, well i like the i will say i like the first season's the hawaiian theme just slightly better the italian theme is great it gets me up right i mean the second the beat starts dropping and you go you kind of yeah. lean forward Uh, And and, and you get really excited for the episode, but I will say I like the Hawaiian theme just a little bit better. Mahalo. Um, Mahalo to you as well. I don't know if I necessarily used that properly. We did not. It means thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got to get some culture. Uh, Although we have been to the Nepali coast, I I doubt a lot of our listeners can say that. But you, Shark, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the motion offense, about when you're home alone. I FaceTimed you Sunday night. You were only in your boxers. Just, you kind of looked at, you kind of, I, I was, I was just thinking to myself, his wife needs to come home and clean him up. But how good was that weekend by yourself? It was good. The reason I was in my, it was a long day sweating out that commander's tie. Didn't really know how to react to it. That took a ton out of me. And then I kind of just was, you know, entrenched on the couch, got a little hot and figured I'd, you know, just, you know, 
no point in changing. I ended up in that situation. So there, there I was. But it, it was, I mean, look, you know how it is. It's great for the one percent of the time. Ninety-nine percent of the time, you want to have your structure and the routine and your your you know typical life. But when you get that those moments where you you can, you know live like a dog and you know watch, watch every single football game and every single college basketball game that your heart desires i even threw in a little bit of a hot tub time machine because i wanted to laugh at a raunchy comedy and i got it and then i threw on i kept it going i threw on a uh, vacation friends with john cena was on the edge of my seat i, I love that one i compared him to 2022 oral roberts on my cpb film room right there so that's a great movie i had a terrific weekend but you're right uh by the time it was over it was time time to get some order back in life yeah the best the best weekends and it's few and far between. Of course, we love the companionship. We love having someone to bounce ideas off of, talk to not just sit at home in our boxers, dipping, drinking, farting up a storm. Right. Um, But when you do get those weekends, the best time to be alone is probably like midday Friday to I'll say Sunday, the conclusion of Sunday night football. Cause you know, when they come back on a Monday or a Tuesday, it's it's kind of wasted days. You can't be a pirate those days. You gotta you have a nine to five. You got to be a real functioning human being. But that sweet spot is really the midday Friday conclusion of Sunday night football. I I personally preferred the Saturday. Saturday, I I wanted to make sure I got up early. I went and I did my sweat class, sweated out everything. Came, got myself a breakfast sandwich, watched the USA game. Super boring. Got to get rid of that head coach. I don't know what the – if you have any – you're the soccer guy. That guy stinks. We need a new head coach for USA soccer. Um, we don't – let's not talk – I don't even want to talk about it. It was a boring game to watch. But then that rolled right into TCU, Kansas State, terrific football game. Uh, that kept – brought me into um, – you know, I did myself a nice little handoff to go into Villanova versus uh, Oklahoma – terrific game then i started getting a little bit overloaded on on sports that's when i threw on the top hot tub time machine you know you got a head body head body this right here so i went head hot tub time machine then i went out to the local pub around here got myself a meal watched the football games on there and then you know i had the big 10 championship at the end of the night and it was just great i love the saturday it's huge now i was hosting my parents so I, admittedly folks i did not get a ton of eyes on college basketball or sports in general, which is a good thing. Well, Saturday wasn't a very good day for college hoops. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad yeah. I, I might have missed some of that. But it's it, I'm, to your point about hot tub time machine, with the World Cup going on, we're just been, we've just been inundated with sports, conference championships, college basketball, obviously in full motion. So it's nice to get a little palate cleanser. And whether that be just getting some air, I went to the Chris Kendall Market here at Wrigley, got some ornaments. A lovely little market. It was a lot of fun. Good. I think I did a good job hosting. I've been gorging myself on my mother's cookies. Uh, I can already tell I'm fat as hell. What are we at? December 7th. Ass is jiggling like jello in the fridge. I can already tell this is going to be a rough, rough December. But that's why we have January to clean the pipes. And we'll get back to neutral. Uh, Shark, I think we may have found our segment name. And it comes from... Colin at royaldigital.co. So what we're going to call this now is the playbill. All right. Run down the major topics of the past week. Look ahead to some items. We, we gave you the description last week. Just know that moving forward, we're going to call this segment the playbill. And I want to start with Maryland Shark. You are such a Maryland guy. You are a Kevin Willard guy. And they're undefeated thus far. 
ranked 13. Huge wins against St. Louis, who we talk about later in the episode, Miami, and Illinois. Illinois was a monster win for them. Shark, I'm going to give you the, the stage here. Sell us on Maryland. What have you seen? What have you really enjoyed about their season thus far? Well, they've always been a great program. They've been a sleeping giant. Their fan base is super into it. I think they had close to 18,000 strong in College Park on Friday night. That was a tight game, too. I know we talk a little bit about the fact that my my, my blind line, which was two, they covered. It took it took some uh, some work for them to cover at the very end there. I think it was a three by Jameer Young, who we got fouled shooting it as well. He's been a great transfer for them from Charlotte uh, to push them across the number. But I would push back on one thing. You say I'm a Kevin Willard guy. I, I've been on this Maryland team dating back to 2020. So I know everyone loves to hate Mark Turgeon. We've had this conversation about Mark Turgeon in the past. Hunter Dickinson seems to want to bring up the fact that he wasn't recruited to Maryland every day of the week and twice on Sunday, when in reality there's like a tweet out there where Hunter Dickinson saying thank you for the offer, Maryland, uh, from whenever that was. Uh, but that's besides the point. Mark Turgeon is the reason many of these guys are on the team right now. Mark Turgeon in 2020, before COVID was going to happen, was going to have that Maryland team rolling into the tournament and I thought they were a final four candidates so I, I think it would do a disservice to say that this is all Kevin Willard he's a great coach too I agree uh I, you know I love Kevin Kevin Willard when he had Miles Powell when I picked him to go to the final four in that same year as well so I think it's kind of just a good combination Willard came into a great situation they're going to recruit well all of this could be obsolete. They play a tough one. You come off something like that on Friday night when you beat a very good Illinois team and then you have to go travel to Madison, Wisconsin. That game is happening at 9 p.m. Eastern. Last night, if you're listening tomorrow morning, um, that was a confusing sentence, but I, I, I think the team is there. Jameer, uh, Jameer Young, as I mentioned, you can shoot the lights out. Dante Scott is, is their leader, but they're tough. They have the identities and the qualities of every single Maryland team that we've always known with the exception maybe with those mellow triple teams. Those were kind of soft. But um, I, I think they're, they're going to be hanging around a ton, hanging around for the time to come. But the biggest test is what do you do on these sleepy Big Ten nights when you have to go on the road and play boring old Wisconsin? I said a couple of weeks ago as we were entering – I mean, you had mentioned it actually last, last episode. What are you going to do when you have to go play a true road game on a college campus and a college gymnasium that's not the Lahaina Center? We saw Arizona fall to Utah. We uh, we saw Creighton. I mean, I know they were at home, but um, you know who else? Ru- um, not Rutgers. I mean Gonzaga, right? Gonzaga loses. Well, Indiana, to, to Indiana, Indiana, Indiana. Lost, thank you. Lost to Rutgers. Yeah, that's who I'm. That's who I'm thinking of. Thank you. Um, but Maryland's interesting, and I didn't. I didn't want to say if it came off that way. Then yeah, I apologize. But I, I just knew from last year and the years previous when discussing Seton Hall and their relevance. I've always said I, I think the biggest thing that was holding them back was Kevin Willard. I've never really been super bought into Kevin Willard, and I know I got a lot of pushback from you on that. Definitely credit Mark Turgeon. This Maryland team is very interesting to me. I'm still a little hesitant on Willard because you had mentioned the reason these guys are there is because of Turgeon, but he's been given the keys to a really nice, a, a solid car. Okay, it's not like a Ferrari or anything like that, and he's done a good job. Certainly hasn't cra- hasn't crashed it. He's made some improvements. Eight and zero is really good. Eight and zero for a team that was down in the dumps last year. Turgeon and Danny Danny Manning taking over on an interim basis. That's pretty much. I mean, you could be Louisville, right? Could be Louisville there with Kenny Payne. Uh, I think another interesting part about the Kevin Willard story is everyone was so drawn 
to Shaheen Holloway being his successor and coming to Seton Hall. And how could you not? Young, energetic, great coach, takes a St. Peter's team all the way to the Elite Eight, goes back to his alma mater. Everyone forgot about the situation that Kevin Willard was stepping into. I think we were so focused on Shaheen that we completely forgot and threw away Kevin Willard when in reality he's going to a basketball school. You would mention them as a sleeping giant. They do have a wonderful fan base and, and a great turnout. And there's a ton of pressure on him, Kevin Willard, to write this ship. And so this has been an encouraging start. The main reason, though, is because of four dudes. You mentioned Jameer Young. Let's not forget about Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, Julian Reese. All four of those guys are averaging double figures. That's incredible. That is incredible right now on a college basketball team, uh, especially with the, the games that they've played. They haven't been layup games. Like we said, St. Louis, Miami, Illinois. Averaging double figures, those four guys. The offense is humming. Uh, their two-point percentages, I think, are they're shooting like 60 65% or something like that. That tells me that their offense is efficient and it's and they're getting good looks. And they don't need the three ball in order to, to succeed. Now, that matchup, like you had mentioned, uh, going on the road to Madison, that's going to be tough. It's going to tell us a lot about these teams. When you go on the road, can you take a punch? Can you take an 8-0 run with those uh, those fans going crazy. We'll see how Maryland re- responds. It's still early in the season. I know a lot of people want to jump, make conclusion. Taylor looking ahead to, to UConn being number one overall, potentially they look great, but it's still early, but very encouraging stuff here for Maryland start. And just, yeah. And just to kind of tie the bow on this point. So whether three of those guys that you mentioned that are scoring double figures for them, Scott Hart and Reese, Scott and Hart specifically have been there for, I think, four or five years at this point. So they are key instrumental players for Maryland that Kevin Willard was able to inherit. Jameer Young, a transfer from Charlotte, played the best game that they had on Friday night. I'll give I'll give Willard credit for that one. But a lot of these people, the foundation was there for Willard to kind of just infuse some energy into a place that already was kind of a, uh, whoa, what's the... Tinderbox, so to speak. You know, it's like the, the light's kind of under there. You just got to blow it a little bit. Maybe throw a fire starter on there, see what happens afterwards. So, and on the other side of that game, Illinois, I've been kind of impressed with them. They're on right now. You can see it over my shoulder, but like this game will be over by the time we wake up tomorrow. Coleman Hawkins, I remember watching him play against Houston in the tournament last year and just being so infuriated with his performance. He, would just shoot a lot and then he'd get wide open shots and miss them all. But he's really emerged. He's six foot 10. He's a good player. Uh, Obviously Shannon's there as well, but I I think Illinois is going to be a very good team going forward, particularly because of Hawkins emergence. Yeah. Losing Curbelo, losing Coburn. It seems as if this team, but I'm just saying it seems as if this team has a more optimistic view or outlook in the tournament. I feel like I trust these guys more as opposed to scratching and clawing against a good Chattanooga team, but the, I mean, Illinois barely squeaked oh, past them. Or did they lose that game? They, no, they, they won, won that game, they, right? Yeah. And then they lost to Houston. Houston. You remember their okay. offense last year? It was like, oh, it was all right, let's chuck it into Kofi. And then maybe he gets fouled and makes one of two free throws. And yeah. Let's run it back next time. It, I mean, it was very difficult to watch. And I think Underwood's got a team where he can kind of not be uh, able to fall back on that plan, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah. Smashed UCLA too. Uh, in Vegas. So already got some good wins. That Illinois team is, is going to be good, but Maryland strong out of the gate for the Terps. And I think that's huge 
for a team that's coming off of such a disappointing season and honestly kind of a disappointing tenure with Mark Turgeon, you can, you can argue it however you want, but I'm sure Terrapin fans are not, they, they probably have no love loss for Mark Turgeon. If they see him on the street, they're not going to, they're not going to cat call him, but they're also not going to say thank you coach. So I think they're very eager for uh, a, a new regime and they're getting it. Next on the item list, I want to talk to you about shark, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You should have said playbill right there. Royal Digital Marketing would want next on the playbill. Next on the playbill. Yeah. I'm still working it out. I know. We got to work through it. It's fine. This is this is week week zero. Yeah, week of, zero of the playbill. Of the playbill. Put it uh, on the playbill, baby. Uh, Gonzaga. What's going on with Gonzaga? Okay. It's not even Christmas, and they have three losses on the season. I can't remember the last time that's happened. Struggled against Kent State. Eventually ended up winning. Now, of course, they've beaten Michigan State, which I don't know how great that looks as we sit here today. Michigan State's tumbled out of the top 25. Smacked Kentucky, which I do think is a really good win because I still think Kentucky's Final Four level good. They're my SEC champ. But Gonzaga right now, it might be a combination of the competition that they're playing, which has been a hot topic for the past couple of years. Everyone asking how are they going to fare when they play the likes of a Michigan State, Kentucky, Baylor, um, Purdue. Right. And they've they've split with those guys. But Gonzaga right now sitting at three losses. Uh, it, it just seems like an unfamiliar place for the past few years. Yeah, I think we're we're finally if you project their season out, I mean, what is the highest seed they can get at this point? You, you have all those losses. They're going to play a bunch of cupcakes to finish the year. I know they play Washington. That's probably their tightest crossover at that point. But they don't really have anything else in the non-conference other than their you know, their traditional tough conference games, which really is just at St. Mary's and maybe at BYU every once in a blue moon. So it's not watch out for Portland. Please watch out for Portland. Although they did just lose to North Dakota state, I think. Good program, North Dakota state. Good, good transfer out of there going to a team that we're going to discuss later in this episode. But yeah, I mean, Gonzaga, maybe this is what they needed, right? Maybe they got to start having the lack of expectations as they move into March as a one seed and everybody thinking they're so great. And they fall back into that five seed world where they used to, you know, sow some oats, so to speak. So maybe this is what they need. And, um, you know, they, they still have guys that have a ton of experience. Timmy is still putting up numbers, although he was pretty much non-existent in the game against uh, Baylor, right? I mean, Baylor went into that and, scored, I think, the final eight points just to steal one on them. And Baylor was kind of stumbling a little bit, too. Why did they keep playing that game in South Dakota, by the way? I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, that was on Peacock, too. Co- yeah. College basketball does the absolute worst when it comes yeah. to scheduling, TV, all that stuff. It's just terrible. Yeah, I, I wasn't really understanding that one. But certainly they're going to make the tournament. Uh, at this point, it really is all just about making sure that they're finally tuned and healthy for that moment. And then maybe this chip on their shoulder that they're going to have because people are going to doubt them for sure. They're going to look back, as everyone does, when the brackets come out and see those losses against teams that are also in the tournament, albeit some close. You know, Baylor, they lost by one, but the other ones, they got blown out. Um, and figure out, is this the year that a team like this can make a run? And maybe it is. If you look at the Ken Palm numbers from them, they're still, I think, highly regarded in the top 10, just primarily based off of their offense. But who knows how those numbers are going to flesh out as the season goes on. And it's one of those things we talked about this in a couple episodes ago, when you go into a season and you have these baked in expectations and baked in, um, 
esteem. Uh, it doesn't seem fair because if you, you should remove entirely what someone did the previous year. And if you look at do that and then you look at Gonzaga and they are, what, six and three, how are they any different than a Xavier team or a team like that? They're really not. It's just they're there because of their reputation uh, that they've had throughout the season. So, excuse me, about throughout the past several seasons. So I, I'm not going to write them off. I think hopefully this humbles them a little bit and humbles the media narrative surrounding them about how great and underappreciated they are because they've proven time and time again that it's not it's not that great once the once March starts. Yeah, I'm except happy. for the UCLA year, but except for when they went to the finals and that. But even then, it was kind of could argue you know, there was yeah. no fans in the in the crowd. And it's just COVID one of those years. I've always said, what would happen if you put Gonzaga in, I won't say the SEC, just even the Pac-12. Say the Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. What, what would happen if you put him there? They what would happen? run it. They'd win yeah, it they, a couple. They'd win it every as often as like Arizona, UCLA, and then Oregon. Arizona and UCLA, they're typically, sometimes they have a phenomenal season. They're a one seed, but UCLA yeah. last year was a four seed. It, I, I mean, I, I, that's what I think what they are. And just to immediately thrust them to a one seat every single year is a problem. And, and maybe that changes now. Yeah. I I'm trying to reconcile what I'm seeing with Gonzaga right now, because this, this takes me back to like 2014, maybe 2015 before they started their run of absolute dominance. I mean, Gonzaga, even in 2014, 2015, wasn't that uh, lovable underdog. They had arrived, but they weren't dominant. Like Nigel Williams, Goss, Shemek Karnowski, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs. There was a window there where they were absolutely dominant and they took advantage of it by going to a final four, uh, two final fours, I should say, two title games where they lost both of those games. And f- isn't it crazy that the the undefeated season or the season that they went into the title game against Baylor undefeated, they got mopped up. But that game against North Carolina with Nigel Williams-Goss and Karnowski, yeah. That was a rock fight. That was probably their best opportunity to win. So I'm still trying to reconcile what I'm seeing here with Gonzaga, right? To your point, I do think it's good that they're getting punched in the mouth here in November and December, because I think that is going to carry with them all the way to the end of the season. You talk a little bit about expectations. Um, Gonzaga is weird because I, I kind of, almost, I don't know why, but the first thing that comes to my mind is like Dirk Nowitzki and the Mavs. Dirk Nowitzki, all-time player. Mavs had some all-time teams, great teams, and they never really could get over the hump and win that title until they eventually did. And it was in a year where the Mavs were not that dominant. I mean, they were really good, but the work that Nowitzki and, and the Mavs did in that title run, they beat the Thunder, they beat the Lakers, I think, they beat LeBron in the Heat. They were not the prohibitive favorites which is the role that Gonzaga's played the past few years. Maybe this helps them out. That being said, uh, I want to I, I push back, maybe not on you, but when everyone might be saying, well, there's not really a ton of expectations for Gonzaga. I don't think that's true. Drew Timmy came back to run the table, go to the title, and win, and win a title. What do you mean? He, where's he going? Where is he going to go? I mean, but the, the whole point of him coming back is he expected this to be a much easier season than it's been. Uh, Can we agree on that? Can we agree no, that Drew the Timmy he... thought he was going to come back and dominate and be in, in the running for national player of the year when in reality he wasn't even better than uh, Zach Eady, who is probably going to be the na- or in the running early I, for national player of the year? I would agree that's why he came back, but I don't think there was a – I mean, that's like asking 
hey, do I want to go sit first class or do I want to take a bus to Toledo, Ohio? I'll take I'll take first class. His options were, you know, to grind it out in Europe and Poland or something and maybe be the sixth man in some cold gym that six people are watching or to go play on the national stage and win all the awards and probably get paid for NIL as well. Sure. Okay. But is that happening right now? No. I mean, the NIL stuff certainly. Yeah, is, no, but, but like, yeah. but, 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 but I get, the, I the get your overall point. Yeah, yeah that's I, what I'm saying. It, it hasn't been, it, 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 this Gonzaga season for Drew Timmy, I don't think, and I'm speaking for him, I don't think it's gone according to plan when he tweeted out that he's coming back uh, whenever he did in the offseason. So there are expectations and the pressure is still going to be there. Even if they're a four or five seed, that pressure is going to be there and it's going to be gut-wrenching for the the fans if they go chet holmgren jalen suggs drew timmy um kevin pangos all these great players and not hoist a trophy and i talk about this all the time with virginia virginia man they got their one they're good for a while if they didn't get their one i feel like that's what we're looking at with gonzaga virginia had a dominant window where they were the best team in the acc best team in the country and they capitalized on it, especially after choking the year previous. Gonzaga's got to do that. Um, and I'm just trying to reconcile if this is going to be beneficial for them down the road. Because I think getting punched in the mouth, playing these teams early on is good. But the weight of the world is still going to be them, no matter on them no matter the seed. Oh, I, I, like the, uh, I like the Virginia comparison. You know, obviously not factoring in the history of their respective programs. Uh, I, I do think that's a very fair comparison as to how um, a highly rated team was consistently knocking on the door and putting up, you know, less than spectacular performances in the tournament and having that monkey on your back as you show up to the tournament each year. And it took Virginia, you know, some magical plays for it to happen. And maybe that, that can certainly – Gonzaga can still win a title this year. I mean, you get them on a three-line or a four-seed or something like that, if you're a one-seed, you don't want to see them. Uh, I mean, they can still certainly do it. And I, I think it, it does lessen some of the pressure valve. I'm not saying the pressure valve is completely opened up where they can completely relax and say they have no expectations. Who cares? But um, I, I think this is, could be a good thing for them. Let's monitor Gonzaga moving forward. All right. Next on the playbill, implementing feedback, working on that quick. That adjustment. was smooth. That was smooth right there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Huge game between Alabama and Houston. I'm pumped for this one. You remember the game last year, Shark? The J.D. Davison non-goaltend, which was actually a goaltend. We had the Houston players, and I think even Kelvin Sampson following the refs down the tunnel, like uh, like we saw recently with Uruguay throwing a temper tantrum. There's some bad blood there. Credit to Nate Oates. I was looking at – I was doing some research last last night, and Oates from last year was like, honestly – I'd be pissed and asking for the goaltend if I were them as well. But this was a huge game last year. It's going to be a huge game this year. One versus eight. How? how what are you looking forward to here in uh, in this matchup between Alabama and Houston? I am looking forward to it. What is it? Two. It's afternoon on Saturday, right? It's kind of a weird time for it. Is it afternoon? Uh, okay. I, I, I think I'm not it sure. is. And this year it's being played in Houston. Last year it was in Alabama. You're right. It was a very close game. Um, leading scorer for Alabama in that one. Dropping a little hint or maybe later on on good things. Jawan Gary, no longer at Alabama, now plays for a team in Lincoln, Nebraska. Keep that one in your back pocket. As we continue, I think clearly Houston is a better team, right? They, they, they were probably a better team last year, too. They returned everyone. They shot the free throws terribly last year against Alabama. 
Uh, Alabama shot 31 free throws too, and only snaked out with a one point win. So I, I, I'm fully expecting Houston to roll them this year. Alabama's a little different. They're still working Quinterly back. Um, the ACL, he came back from that thing relatively quickly. And I say that as a man, that's a fan of Chase Young. That's been out for almost 400 days with an ACL injury. Quinter, good for Quinterly to be able to get back a little bit quicker. Uh, it's just a different team. It's hard to compare for Alabama. Houston's predominantly the same team and everyone's just better. So I would fully expect Houston to win, keep rolling as the number one seed. Um, they are clearly the best team in the country, in my opinion. This is going to be a fun matchup for sure. Bama has a freshman, Brandon Miller. He's averaging 19 and eight right now. Ball player. Steamrolling. I mean, I should have just said stampeding actually with the tide, but Brandon Miller is a ball player and he's going to face his toughest test yet. I fully expect Houston to be prepped for him, and uh, he's not going to get 19-8, and eight, I don't think. If he does, then he might be what Dickie Vitale likes to call a diaper dandy because it's these type of matchups when you're a freshman, if you're playing at this elite level, and you go and play against the number one team of the country and you can put up those averages, you're going to get the, uh, you're going to get the country's attention. They shoot too many threes, though, Bama. Bama shoots way too many threes for my liking. That's NATO's hoop. Four years in, that's his system, I suppose. But they they still can't kick that three-point addiction that they have. But I do think in this particular game, they're going to need to do that against Houston. Nobody's going to out-muck the Cougars, right? That is Kelvin Sampson. That is the Cougars. They're tougher than you. They are stronger than you. They're dirtier. I say dirtier in a uh, not not as a pejorative, right? They're They're willing to get dirty is what I should say. You're not going to outmuck Houston, so you may have to go finesse and shoot the threes. Here's the thing about Bama, though, that I think they can have the advantage on, and it kind of falls under that muck bucket. Uh, they can out, they'll out rebound Houston, in my opinion. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the country, the, the Tide. And so on some of those missed three-pointers, they're going to be long rebounds. That could be easy buckets. Um, I expect this to be incredibly close. I've been touting Houston all year. I still think they should have been number one entering the season. We see what what's happened to Carolina. But Houston right now at their rightful place at number one, they survived a scare against Kent State. I think they're going to validate this against Bama. But a lot of people are kind of scoffing at Alabama and Nate Oates. Maybe they didn't, haven't played anyone, but I don't know. I think Bama's going to keep this close. Houston just a little bit too much. Those are my keys to the game there. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're right. I mean, Bama really is just freshman at this point. You mentioned Brandon Miller, Tennessee kid, didn't want to come play for the Vols despite the offer, probably because his coach was going to let him chuck up threes and get ready for the NBA. That's a little bit more aligned with the NBA game. I can't necessarily blame him. But Noah Clowney, another guy they have, Jaden Bradley, these are all freshmen, highly, highly recruited. Um, And I I just think – I don't think they've ever been tested by this one. I know they played that crazy game with with, – they played UConn tough and then the crazy game with North Carolina – I don't know. This seems a little bit different for me. Um, I need to see Alabama a little bit more before my opinion is rounded out. Yeah, going to be a fun one regardless. All right, let's go on now to a couple of rivalries renewed. Kansas, Missouri. Now on paper, that doesn't look too sexy. Kansas probably going to roll in that one. Although it is on the road in Columbia, a bit of a homecoming for Dewan Harris, who, by the way, I had a little bit of time to, t- to think on it. You take Tiger Campbell as your number one point guard in all of the country. I'm thinking Dewan Harris, the national title. Guy can impact a game without scoring whatsoever. I love him. But Kansas-Mizzou, Dennis Gates has the Tigers at 8-0. Oh. 
Uh, they haven't played diddly. This is going to be their biggest test. Um, what are your thoughts on on the Jayhawks going into the Tigers? Uh, first of all, I think it's nine and zero, uh, but they played a they played a bag of chips pretty much. They really haven't played anyone, so I'm fully. Um, you look at their team. He came over from Cleveland State, their leading scorer this year. The guy, I'm losing the guy's name right now, but he played at Cleveland State. Uh, I, I just think they're in for a rude awakening when they play Kansas in this in this first big test for them. Everyone's hyping the game up a little bit. If you can, if you actually look at the schedule, they according to Ken Palm, they have the sixth easiest schedule in the Division One. That's Missouri. Um, they do have a win against Wichita State, but Wichita State doesn't have Greg Marshall walking through that door. So I, I'm expecting Kansas, Grady Dick, um, that, that those guys to really make it known that they are in control in that state. Yeah, Kansas is going to roll in this game. But one thing I will point out, Mizzou shares the ball very well. One of the best teams, passing teams in the country, and they will turn you over. So Kansas is going to have a sloppy game, I, I do predict. They're just better, more talented probably more composed, uh, but Mizzou is going to turn them over. Uh, I don't know how much the assists are going to move the needle for the Tigers. Uh, they can share the ball well. Sue, I bet you and I can run over to a junior high school right now, play two-on-two with – or maybe five-on-five. Uh, is, is it because of the competition is what you're saying? Well, no, I'm saying you and I can pick three random guys off the street and share the ball pretty well against a bunch of high schoolers, you know, I, junior high schoolers, maybe not high schoolers but, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm saying there's no competition. There's, there's no okay, competition. That's, that's why right. the numbers look good. Yeah. Well, keep up with Mo. Well, yeah, I said, I said, is it because no competition? You said, no, no, no. Let me, well, I wasn't finished point. making my point. Um, they will turn you over though. I think, I think they get their hands in the passing lanes, but yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that there's a rivalry back between Kansas and Mizzou. Maybe we'll see Mizzou of the days of Frank Haith and the, the pressy brothers, uh, Probably might take a little bit of time because of your boy, the damage your boy did. Try to tell people, try to tell people. All right. Another rivalry game renewed Georgetown, Syracuse. Is there any juice to this though? I mean, do you care? Yeah, you look in Georgetown, right? They're giving out free tickets to people. They're going to D if you're a DC Sad. resident, they give you free tickets. So, I mean, I, you got to root the year that Patrick Ewing won the big East. Was that last year or all the years are blending that was together. two years ago, two years ago. Right. I mean, that gave them a little bit of a leash on life, but they just lost to South Carolina. Um, the, the talent is always there with them. It really just is a matter of, they, they seem to just lose all, all of these games and they just build up by the end of the year where they give themselves no margin for error. Syracuse is very similar. I mean, they kind of are, but I would say the talent is compared. I, Syracuse just wins by chucking threes. Really, they do. I mean, that was a good win uh, for Syracuse after their um, they beat Notre Dame uh, on Saturday, which was a pretty impressive win. Gerard finally got going a little bit, but I, I just the rivalry to your question is just not there, or on par with some of the other ones we got going right now. Yeah, I think I'm ready for some new coaches on both sides. We talked about Bayheim last week. Never enjoyable calling for for someone's job, but Patrick Ewing just ain't it at Georgetown. Um, I mean, it's it's just more of a oh, this brings back memories of the old Big East days, right? Requiem for a Big East. See those Georgetown jerseys. It's funny though, right? You got this is how insanely old Bayheim is. You got not only Patrick Ewing that he coached against, he's going to be coaching against Baby Matumbo too. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. It's uh, incredible. I- 
It is one of those things, though, and who knows how much longer this will exist. But when you see those two teams playing, I will tune in. I'll watch. I'll see what looks good, what doesn't look good. I, I When I lived in D.C., I found myself pulling for Georgetown. I liked them. I wanted them to get there. Um, they just <laughs> – Hey God! Hey God! What was the what was the Georgetown game you went to where the guy in front of you was telling you like, was it Devonte Smith Rivera was oh, going to be no. a first round pick? No, no, it was the, it was the big center. What was that guy's name? Big center that was there for a while. And the only thing that's coming up is Kudus Wahab, but obviously that wasn't no, that no. timeline. Let me let me. I mean, I kind of want to know this now. Yeah, we have to find it. Because I actually He's, I had the I had the reverse. Jesse Govan. Jesse Govan. Jesse Govan. Yeah. Jesse might reach Govan out to Jesse. For, yeah, get him on. See if he wants to come on Titch. I actually, had the opposite. No, I, happen. I was saying that he wouldn't be drafted, though. It's probably his dream. I don't think I should why would I want to Well, I mean, we won't that. disclose that. We won't disclose yeah. that. But I did have I did have the uh opposite happen to me when I was at a Paul DePaul game. I think it was Paul Richardson. No, not is that his last name? Who's the guy on the Sixers? Big man for the Sixers. No, Paul. Um, yeah, uh, Paul, Paul Reed. Reed. Paul, Paul, Paul Reed. Reed. Paul Reed. Yeah. This kid, this nerdy kid in front of me, was like, "Paul Reed's going to be a good NBA player." I was like, "What? Not a bad NBA player." He got you. <laughs> yeah. Good play, Bill. All right. Uh, what I want to do now? Let's get on out of here. Give us some winners and some good things. Please, sir. I want some more. The boys did a wonderful job last week with their bets off to a two and one start for both the shark and Taylor. I feel like each week I'm going to have to check in with the shark, make sure everything's all right. Make sure everything's kosher. Make sure everything's accounted for T's are crossed. I's are dot dotted shark real quick. It, it, does two and one sound correct to you after the initial three picks? That's accurate. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Got it. Got to make sure I take inventory here. Uh, let's recap, though, real quick before we get into this week's Shark. Ohio State plus four and a half versus Duke did not hit. But Maryland blind line versus Illinois. Xavier blind line versus West Virginia, which uh, I believe those were. Maryland was minus two. Xavier minus three. They hit Taylor. Your boys, Purdue, minus 13 versus Florida State. I think they only won by 10. A little bit shocking. Uh, Florida State still struggling. Of course, Purdue still ends up winning, but that did not hit. USC minus seven against Cal. Checkmark. TCU minus six and a half versus Providence hits. All right, Taylor. Please, sir, I want some more. Give us some winners. Yeah, well, because we just talked about them. I'm going to go back to the well here, let's call it, even though they didn't hit for me last week. I'm going to go with Purdue again, minus 18 uh, over Hofstra. I'm... I don't think this is really a tough uh, breakdown of why I'm picking the number four team in the country with the two time back to back player of the week and freshman of the week uh, in the big 10 uh, with uh, Zach Eady and uh, Fletcher lawyer or foster lawyer, whatever lawyer it is. Um, so I'm going uh, with Purdue minus 18 at home over Hofstra. Uh, number two, I'm going to a, an undefeated team on the road, and that's UConn minus four at Florida. Uh, UConn has a really good path, if they can get through this game, to a potential number one overall ranking because uh, they don't play another ranked team until January 7th, and that ranked team is Creighton. Uh, I know that we've they, Creighton had a bad week, but 
you know, I mean, if that's the best team, we know Creighton's good, but if that's the best team they play in the next month, like UConn could, could really go on a run here. Big East, not exactly looking uh, like a power conference here. Um, I, I mean, Villanova sucks. Uh, every team other than uh, St. John's and UConn already has three losses. I was so, going to say, don't don't sleep on the Sharks. Good things from last week. The uh, the the best team Mike Anderson's ever had in his four yeah. Year, there you go. Four year tenure. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and then uh, I know we're only week two, but I I, I do always like to go back to my uh, Northwest well as well. Michelle Damel, Mama D's alma mater, Eastern Washington plus five on the road at Cal. Cal sucks. And one of the few winless teams left in college basketball uh, through the first couple of weeks, they're 0 and 9. Uh, they did play decent against Arizona the other night, uh, but I'm going Eastern Washington. Uh, and their best, their best player, um, Venters is his last name, just went for 32 or 33 the other night. So that's Eastern Washington plus five at Cal. That's Purdue minus 18 against Hofstra. And that's UConn minus four at Florida. Very timely, Taylor, because this is the first time on our 2022-2023 season where you and I are going to be on opposite sides. And I will go ahead and lead into that one right now. And it is that Florida-UConn game. This is UConn's very first road game. Don't tell me that these tournaments that they play in count as road games. They are going to Gainesville. They're going to play very athletic. A lot of returning players, seasoned players, primarily Colin Castleton, who should be able to control the paint uh, against the the large threats on UConn side. I, I understand Sonogo's having a phenomenal year, but I, I, I just like Florida in this spot. They've already lost three games. They're getting four points at home, as you alluded to. UConn, I want to see these guys tested. I want to see them actually perform in a difficult environment uh, with this crop. I read an article, actually, that Danny Hurley, every time they win a game, he doesn't change his underwear. He wears that same pair of underwear for every game after that. That's not what are they nine and zero right now? That's that's too many wears of one. Okay, never mind. I'm changing just off that alone. I might have uh, to switch. Well, these are the deep dives I'm doing. That's why I, really I, I like appreciate that. I just yeah. appreciate that. Are you switching? No, I'll keep. All I'll right, keep rolling. I'll, I'll captain underpants. I'll keep rolling. Yeah, but with Mrs. Hurley, you're you're gonna have to get a new fresh pair out for Danny Hurley on this one. I like Florida. I don't know if they're gonna win this game. All right, I really don't. I think it's gonna be close as. Florida typically plays them at home. Todd Golden, they haven't really gotten them all clicking yet for Florida. Kyle Lofton, uh, the transfer from St. Bonaventure, I'm not sure if he's going to play. He missed their last game. He was out with back spasms, but I think they got enough guard depth, and Will Richard was out for that one as well. They got enough guard depth where they can plug another guy in there, and they're kind of shooting the ball well this year as well. So I like Florida getting the four points at home. as, as you alluded to, because you're right, UConn is, what, a top-five team at this point. They may very well be undefeated going into 2023. Um, you know, things can't be great all the times for, for those UConn fans. So we're going to have a slip-up right here, and I like Florida to cover. My next game is, you know, I tossed and turned on this one for a while. But let me tell you something. I like this Penn State team. I like Penn State basketball. These guys can light it up from three. Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy. They got this other guy that what's the white dude's name that reigns threes as well. Funk. Yeah, they got Funk. They got these guys that can really shoot the ball. Micah Shrewsbury. And this is another deep dive I did. I was reading an article in the Lansing uh, newspaper, right? And Izzo's talking about all the injuries that they've been sustaining and all the travel they've had to do early in the year. And he basically said, we're kind of dead right now. 
I don't like to hear that from Coach Izzo. They suffered a very bad loss against Northwestern over the weekend. They lost to Notre Dame before that. Everything should be screaming, take Izzo, take Izzo right now because he's not going to not cover three straight times. I just kind of like Penn State. They're going to get up for this game. They split the series last year. I, I had it at three and a half. I think it should be a little more than that with the way that Penn State is shooting the ball right now. I, I, still injuries for Michigan State. No Malik Hall. He's out for another couple of weeks, and he's kind of their bruiser in the middle. So um, what I watched in that Notre Dame game, I wasn't too impressed, and I think Penn State's going to come out really shooting the ball well. I'm a little worried about it being a 6.30 start. I would like that later in the day. And for my final pick, I'm going with Cornell. Cornell's getting – 16 against Miami. Okay. Miami's flashy. Miami is paying all, you know, Nigel Pack. I don't think he's playing very well this year either, uh, but Cornell, they can put up points. They're averaging 82 points per game. I think that's it within the top 25 in the country. I watched them play. They're seven and one. They played Boston college tough early in the year. 16 points to me is just a little bit too many. Um, so I, I'm going to roll with Cornell getting the 16 and two my, my three there would be Florida plus four Penn state minus three and a half and Cornell plus 16. I love it. I'm a Micah Shrewsbury guy through and through. I've been tweeting that the past couple of years. I love what Micah Shrewsbury is doing there at Penn State, establishing a culture, building something. I certainly expect them to be a bubble team, maybe even get into the tournament. That game against Clemson where they fought and clawed back was very impressive. Cornell, I know he's not there anymore, but Stevie Donahue, big red. Interesting choice there. It's a decade later. You, you, you can update your your file on Cornell. I'm oh, just I mean, there, you always got to go for the the connection, and that is it. Steve Donahue is your connection to to Cornell, and he's burned you before. But uh, Cornell plus sixteen, Penn State. Oh, okay, they're favored. I, I, let me let me make note of that. Yeah, they're favored. Uh, all right, and then Taylor takes Purdue minus eighteen against Hofstra, UConn uh, minus four against Florida. Of course, the opposite of the shark. Eastern Washington, the boys from Cheney, plus five against Cal. Um, all right, let's move on now to good things. All right, good things. It always is great to get on out of here on a high note. Taylor, we'll start with you. Uh, my good thing this week is St. Louis Billikens point guard, Yuri Collins, who just set a school record for t- with 22-0 assists in a game last week. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I mean, that's kind of, you know, a crazy thing, but could be a fluke, could be a one-off thing. And it's absolutely not because this guy is averaging 11.9 assists per game this year. And in four of his last five games, or excuse me, three of his last four games, he's uh, had more than 14 assists. Uh, Pretty, pretty incredible numbers. Uh, He's actually averaging more assists than, four players in the country are averaging all but four players in the country are averaging rebounds, which is a hard thing to do in college basketball. Right. If that, if that makes sense, I don't know. There's probably a better way to explain what I just said, but like there's only, it's way easier to get rebounds, right. than there it is to, to uh, create assists in college basketball, especially Uh, he's almost four assists per game ahead of the next highest uh, assister in college basketball, which is uh, Tyler Kolek from Marquette. So uh, pretty incredible to have 20 assists in a college basketball game. And these guys don't exactly play the fastest brand of basketball in the world. Uh, so that makes it even more impressive that in, you know, a in a 76 score game, he's, you know, collecting 10 assists. So, uh, but yeah, my good thing for the week is Yuri Collins school record 20 assists for St. Louis. 
You know who knows that wasn't a fluke? The two guys that you're looking at right here, baby. Yeah, the I know. The two guys yeah. that chose the Billikens Shout to win the A-10. Shout well, out. I don't I don't like Collins personally just because he, he duped the Vols. He was supposed to transfer there, and then they had an NIL package for him, and then he decided to stay in St. Louis. But I, I got to tip my hat to him. That's a lot of assists. They're playing a big one tonight, I think, against Iona, right? Patino right in St. Louis. I yeah, think right it's now. Just, t- just tipped. So. Yeah, so good for him. Soup, you want my good thing? I would love it. Let me give you my good thing here. All right, so <clears throat> you remember Fred Hoiberg on Iowa State? Of course. All right. Well, that was, I'm just—it's an opening question to kind of get the dialogue going and tell you where I'm leading to. My good thing is Nebraska basketball. I, I tell you, this team—they're six and three. They're seven seventy-seven in Ken Palm. You're probably looking at me like, "Why the hell are you talking about Nebraska basketball?" Fred Hoiberg in his fourth year is thirty and seventy. They're terrible. Everything you should be looking at should be screaming that this is not a good team. And you know what? Frankly, being six and three, that, that that's a tough argument. But I watched those guys play against Boston College. I've seen who's on their team. And I'm telling you, I think Nebraska is going to be pretty good. Tomorrow night, tonight, when you listen to this, they're going to be playing against Indiana. Don't judge them based off of just that game because it's tough to play in Indiana. I think they're getting 12 and a half. I wasn't going to take it on that. But I, I do like this Nebraska basketball team going into this fourth year for, for Fred Hoiberg, who's never had a 500 team with them. They had started off with a tough schedule, all right? So they they rattled off three straight from that. They had wins over Florida State. They beat BC. And then they just went and beat Creighton, right? They're Nebraska rivals. They went and beat a team that everybody was washing all year. So really, the only other losses that they have in that 6-3 and three record are St. John's, who was my good thing from last week. By the way, they did lose to Iowa State, so – Maybe a little premature on that one. Oklahoma, they lost to in Memphis. Oklahoma's pretty tough. I watched that game against Villanova over the weekend. Memphis is always going to be there. But Nebraska's big. They're athletic. They're led by a former vault, Derek Walker, who's putting up, I think, 16 and 8. Uh, just a, a, a big fellow in the middle that gets easy buckets for him. But their key is this guy, Sam Greasel. Might be mispronouncing it. I couldn't, wasn't really listening to the announcers the other day. He's from Lincoln, but he played four years at North Dakota State. He's averaging 11, 5, and 5, kind of just a true do it all. He's big, but he plays point guard for them. Uh, he, he's, their, he's their engine. They have another guy, Jawan Gary, a transfer from Alabama, a classic athletic individual that's able to get rebounds when you need it, score when you need it. And then they have my favorite guy, probably in college basketball. If you have not heard of this individual, you need to watch him play. So tonight, Watch the game against Indiana and pay attention to the scrawny guy from Japanese, Keisei Tomonago. He was born in Japan. He looks like he is a 16-year-old on a junior varsity team. Absolutely zero definition whatsoever in his arms. I cannot believe he's ever even sniffed a weight room. But he has a jump shot and a shooting stroke that could make a Georgia man cry. Can you splice in some Jason Isbell for me right there as I say that? Maybe that's you're gonna splice that in. He, this jumper is beautiful. All right, it makes me want to be a better man. How beautiful this jump shot is! It is so smooth. You can tell it's so fundamental. But Casey Tomaningo is electricity on the court. I tweeted about it when I watched him. He is so energetic. He makes just such savvy, smart plays, and he he is a he can heat up quickly. And if you give him an open three, it is automatically going down. So. I got my eye on Nebraska, maybe a little premature. I'm going to be rooting for them all year just because I like the structure of their team. They have a tough schedule coming up. So, again, 
don't judge this team by over what happens in the next couple of weeks. They play at Indiana, obviously. Then they got Purdue. Uh, if you can sneak one right there, I like this Nebraska Cornhuskers teams. I like the way they're built. And I think Fred Hoyerberg is finally going to break through. Fascinating career trajectory for Fred Hoyberg. He had those dominant Iowa State teams that you led off with. Makes a NBA. And a lot of people forget he had the Bulls in playoff contention. The Bulls went to the playoffs when Fred Hoiberg was the head coach. He comes back to Nebraska. I think the lasting image of Fred Hoiberg, fair or unfair, is when he was looking deathly sick. And this was right when COVID started. And they trotted out Fred Hoiberg. He did not look good. And I think that was a very jarring image to a lot of people seeing him on the sidelines being like, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, In addition to that, you're right. Nebraska has not been very good. The past couple of years, I've been tweeting and saying, Does Nebraska even care about their athletics? I've talked about Cal being apathetic. I suppose that makes a little bit more sense than a team like Nebraska who has such a rich football history. They didn't care, it seemed like, when Scott Frost was leading them nowhere. Certainly didn't seem like they cared when Fred Hoiberg hasn't been very good, but they got rid of Frost. Uh, Fred Hoiberg gets a great win in their rivalry matchup on the road. I feel like, I I don't know if you mentioned that, but on the road is, is crucial. Right, playing at Creighton is a very difficult venue. It would have been a surprise if they won in Lincoln. An even bigger surprise playing in Creighton. Sam Greasel. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's a he's a great facilitator. He's a strong, tough-minded player. Local kid, like you had mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to see Nebraska surprise some people and emerge as I don't know, maybe a middle of the pack Big Ten team. Um, Creighton, by the way. I'd like to go back to my off season and say that I was not moved by Baylor Shireman going there. A lot of people said that this was a slam dunk for them to win the big East, that they were going to be this unbeatable team. There's always this invincible team that we label in the off season. Like they get a couple, I feel like it might've been Texas last year, but we get a lot of these transfers. We get the returners and everyone's saying, Oh, these guys are going to be a buzzsaw. They're going to be Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Kentucky type of team. No, take it easy. Uh, I didn't think Shire, Shireman's a fine player, but I don't think he he really raises Creighton's ceiling. Long season, but a troubling loss, a really really bad loss for Greg McDerm- McDermott's team uh, at the hands of Nebraska. And then not a bad loss, not a bad loss. This is my good home. You're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a top ten team. Get out of my good thing and stop talking about Creighton. That's not a bad loss. That's what I'm trying to communicate to you. Nebraska is a good team. All right, that's gonna they they are gonna be a middling Big Ten pack. 19 and this will not look terrible yes it creighton should have won i will agree with you on that fine semantics fine uh the other, last thing i want to mention about your good thing glad you brought up what, what's his name the japanese player tomonaga kasei tominaga tominaga yeah tominaga tominaga all right last week i said we are a podcast that promotes sex positivity we're also a podcast that promotes asian basketball players I started off this season by highlighting Mike Shravyams from Mongolia. And now we got Tominaga from Japan. We got to keep our eyes out. And you know what? Genuinely speaking, I love that the game has grown to a point where we can highlight these players. Yuta Watanabe is producing well for the Nets in the NBA. Asian Asian, uh, progression. I love it. All right. So good for Nebraska. That's a very good thing. I'll move on to my good thing. And it's the Mac. Last year, the Mountain West was the team that I dubbed the best mid-major when it comes to theater. 
so many teams, so many venues, Utah State, Boise State, right? Fresno State. Uh Colorado, Colorado State. State. A, lot, a lot of states. Uh, you know, they, they were such a fun, fun conference. San Diego State. Jeez. I, I'm thinking if you're in the Mountain West and you don't, you're not like a state school. Then Boise State. You said I, right? I, I got yeah. Boise State. Roberto Bergerson, shout out. He's a friend of the program, my boy. Uh, they were the best in terms of theater last year. This year, my eye is on the Mac. I am laser focused on the Mac because I look at these top three teams Kent State. I can't say enough about these guys. True road game against Houston. Almost pulled it out. That was Houston's toughest test this entire season. Houston ends up winning, but Kent State was phenomenal in that matchup. This past weekend, they go to Gonzaga, almost beat them. Kent State is a really good team. I think they're going to – them in Toledo. That's good. I, I hope they get two teams. I hope the Mac gets two teams because Toledo has been in the Mac title game the past couple of years. They weren't able to punch their ticket, but Toledo's also a very good team. Don't sleep on Akron either. Akron, if you remember last year in the 4-13 matchup against UCLA, John Grochi almost picked off UCLA. And that's a, that was a UCLA team that returned damn near everyone from a Final Four run. So I want to give a, a sincere hat tip, and I want you all to laser in on, focus in on the Mac. Kent State. Toledo and Akron. And you know what? This is a huge reach. I just pulled a groin region, but at the very bottom there, Eastern Michigan, they're not going to do anything, but Amani Bates, I'm holding out. He might provide some theater. Noah Farrakhan might provide some entertainment come the Mac tournament. Okay. You never know when you see a team go from dead last to hoisting that trophy and punching their ticket, even though they're about 10 games below 500. So Kent state Toledo Akron, be on the lookout and hold out a little hope for Eastern Michigan. Some very good things there. All right. Good things. Great stuff, boys. Uh, let's go ahead. Get on out of here, Shark. I want to catch the second half of this Illinois-Texas game right now. Illinois up three at half in T. Uh, Arkansas down five to UNC Greenboro at half. Let's get the hell out of here, Shark. We got some we got some games to watch. Much like Stan and Dursky says to Ruben Pfeffer and along came Pauly when he's about to head to the bathroom, I'll join you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Thank you very much. Thank you. That, that's the lowest I've ever seen Dick Vitale since the, the owner of the Detroit Pistons called him in and told him he should go into broadcasting. Right? Uh, I can't tell you what an honor it is to even be mentioned the same breath with an Arthur Ashe. Um, 
this is something I certainly will, will treasure forever. But as, as uh, was said on the tape, I, and I also I don't have one of those things going with the cue cards, so I'm going to speak longer than anybody else has spoken tonight. That, that's the way it goes. Time, time is very precious to me. I don't know how much I have left, and I have some things that I would like to say. Hopefully, at the end, I'll have something that will be uh, important to, uh, to other people, too. But I can't help it. Now when I'm fighting cancer, everybody knows that. Uh, and people ask me all the time about how you, you go through your life and how's your day. And nothing has changed for me, as Dick said. I'm a very emotional, passionate man. I can't help it. That's being the son of Rocco and Angelina Valvano. That just comes with the territory, right? We hug, we kiss, we love. And, and when people say to me, how do you get through uh, life or, or each day, it's the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And so I can't help. I rode on the plane up today with Mike Krzyzewski, my, my good friend and a wonderful coach, but people don't realize he's a 10 times better person than he is a coach, and we know he's a great coach. He's meant a lot to me in these last five or six months of my battle. But when I look at Mike, I think we competed against each other as players. I coached against him for 15 years, and I always have to think about what's important in life is to think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. Those are the three things that I try and do every day. And you know, when I think about getting up and giving a speech, I can't help it. I have to remember the first speech I ever gave. I was coaching at Rutgers University. That was my first job. All I, oh, that's a, wonderful. And I was the freshman coach. That's when freshmen played on freshman team. And I was so fired up about my first job. I see Lou Holtz, Coach Holtz here. What was it like the first job you had, right? The very first time you stood in a locker room to give a pep talk. That's a special place, the locker room, for a coach to give a talk. So my idol as a coach was Vince Lombardi. And I read this book called Commitment to Excellence by Vince Lombardi. And in the book, Lombardi talked about the first time he spoke before his Green Bay Packer team in the locker room. There were perennial losers. And I'm reading this, and Lombardi said he was thinking, should it be a long talk, a short talk? But he wanted to be emotional. He said, be brief. And this is what he did. He, he, normally, you get in the locker room, I don't know, 25 minutes, a half hour before the team takes the field. You do your little X and O's, and then you give the great Newt Rockney talk. We all do. Speech number 84. You pull them right out. You get, you get ready. Get your squad ready. Well, this is the first one I ever gave. And I read this thing, Lombardi. What he said was, he didn't go in. He waited. His team was wondering, where is he? Where is this great coach? He's not there. Ten minutes. He's still not there. Three minutes before they have to take the field, Lombardi comes in, bangs the door open, and I think you all remember what great presence he had, right? Great presence. And he walked in, and he just walked back and forth like this, just walk, staring at the players. And he said, all eyes on me. And I'm reading this in this book, and I'm getting a picture of this Lombardi before the, his first game. And he said, gentlemen, we will be successful this year. You can focus on three things and three things only, your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. And, he, and the rest of it, they knocked the walls down. The rest was history. I said, that's beautiful. I'm going to do that. Your family, your religion, 
and Rutgers basketball. That's it. I had it. I'm, listen, I'm 21 years old. The kids I'm coaching are 19, all right? And, I, and I'm going to be the greatest coach in the world, the next Lombardi. And I'm, ready, and I'm practicing out in the right, right, right side of the locker room. The, the manager's telling me, you got to go in. Not yet, not yet. Family, religion, Rutgers basketball. All eyes on me. I got it, I got it. And now finally he said, three minutes. I said, fine. True story. I go to knock the doors open just like Lombardi. Boom. He didn't open. I almost broke my arm. I was like, you know, it was one that didn't open. Now I'm down. The players are looking. You know, coach, get, uh, help the coach up. Help him up. You know? And now I did like Lombardi. I walked back and forth. Right? And I was going like that with my arm. Get the feeling back in it. And finally I said, gentlemen, all eyes on me. And these kids wanted to play. They're 19. Let's go. I said, gentlemen, we'll be successful this year if you can focus on three things and three things only. He said, yeah. He said, your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers, I told you. <laughs> I did that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember. I remember where I came from. It's so important to know where you are. Right? And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. And you have to be willing to work for it. I talked about my family. My family is so important. People think I have courage. The courage of my family is my wife, Pam, my three daughters here, Nicole, Jamie, Leanne, my mom, who is right here, too. And, and, and that screen is flashing up there 30 seconds. Like, I care about that screen right now, huh? I got, I got, I got tumors all over my body. I'm worried about some guy in the back going 30 seconds, huh? You got a lot. Hey, Panabla, buddy. Yeah, you got a lot. All right, good to you. Good to you. I got, I just got one last thing. I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moments you have, to spend each day with some laughter and some thought, to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great can be accomplished without enthusiasm. To keep your dreams alive in spite of problems, whatever you have, to be able to work hard for your dreams to, become, to come true, become a reality. Now I, I look at where I, I am now, and I know what I want to do. What I would like to be able to do is to spend whatever time I have left and to give and maybe some hope to others. All right? Arthur Ashe Foundation is a wonderful thing. And, and AIDS, the, the, the amount of money pouring in for AIDS is not enough, but it is significant. But if I told you it's 10 times the amount that comes in for cancer research, I also tell you that 500,000 people will die this year of cancer. And I also tell you that one in every four will be afflicted with this disease. And yet, for somehow, we seem to have put it in a little bit of the background. I want to bring it back on the front table. We need your help. I need your help. We need money for research. It may not save my life. It may save my children's lives. It may save someone you love. And it's very important. And ESPN has been so kind to support me in this endeavor and allow me to announce tonight that with ESPN's support, which means what? Their, 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 their money and their dollars, that they're helping me. We are starting the Jim, Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research.
And its, and it's motto is, don't give up, don't ever give up. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Every minute that I have left, I will thank God for the day and the moment I have. And if you see me, smile and maybe give me a hug, because that's important to me too. But try, if you can, to support, whether it's AIDS or the Cancer Foundation, so that, that someone else might survive, might prosper, and might actually be cured of this dreaded disease. I can't thank ESPN enough for allowing this to happen, and I'm going to work as hard as I can, you know, for cancer research, and hopefully we'll be, maybe we'll have some cures and some breakthroughs, and I'd like to think, I'm going to fight my brains out to be back here again next year for the Arthur Ashe recipient. I want to give it next year. I know I've got to go. I've, I've got to go, and I've got one last thing. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. I thank you, and God bless you all. Thank you.